you guys. So let's seeing that I will put my trust in you alone. If we can do that, if we can just, I'm hearing just the drum. And if you guys will lead us in it, because we need help. (laughs) But what I want us, I'm speaking about myself. What I want us to do is make this our declaration. And so I'm asking for the drum because this is our march. So if you guys will lead us in that, and when we say this, as you say this, I want you to declare this over your own life, over your household, over your neighborhood, over your schools, over your city, over your county, over your church, and over our country. So can you guys do that for us again? because we have established ourselves on your love and that never changes throughout all of eternity. And this is our declaration. This is our march. And we are not moving off of that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Can you give him a praise? Give him a praise. Man, y'all. Woo! Get it, girl. <laughs> if you would turn to someone and say, This is your declaration, and today is a new day. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. That's good. (laughs) We got it. No, that's perfect. Thank you, Riley. Man, that's good. That's so, so good. Hey, baby. I want to say something because this blessed me this morning off of what uh, Darren ministered last week. Uh, This morning little Ricky's up here and she's worshiping. She's got her sequins on, which I try to focus, but she's sparkly. (laughs) And when daddy came around the corner, she loves her mommy. But when daddy comes in the room, she got so excited. (laughs) And boy, she was kicking and rolling. And she was like, look at, look at my sequins, dad. Look at my sequins. (laughs) And I felt like when I watched her, I thought, gosh, that's the way we are with the father and it she ministered to me this morning so thank you for that so yeah (laughs) good stuff 
good stuff today. My name is Lynette. If I've not had the opportunity to personally meet you and shake your hand, I would love to get to do that. And so greetings. Welcome. Welcome to our home. Our uh, mission from the beginning when we started back in May of 2000 was that people would come here and they would feel like they were home. And I know for uh, a lot of people, home may be um, a concept that uh, could be hurtful or a concept that hasn't ever existed. And so our heart was to create a place where if people haven't ever experienced the safety and security of home, that they would come into our house and feel safe and secure and loved. And so we welcome you into our home this morning, and we hope our hearts is that you would feel loved and and welcomed, and um, I would have a pitcher of sweet tea sitting out for you. So (laughs) I tell you, last night we uh, came the to the rooted class that is taking place here at the church and CW and Kirstie are leading that and teaching that and there is a slew of people if you are part of the rooted course would you raise your hand right now all of these people have committed to coming on Saturday night and they are digging into the foundation of our faith and I'm telling you it It just made me so excited for everybody that was here and to watch the conversation and the um, the connections with one another that was taking place. It blessed my heart. And so I say that to say that God is doing a mighty thing in our church right now. Uh, there is a newness of some things that are happening. And what I see from my perspective is that things are very strategic. There's some very uh, well thought out and well planned moves that God is making right now that are positioning people to be right where God wants them to be at an appointed time. And I really felt that in that rooted course last night. So I want to personally tell you on behalf of Darren and I how very proud we are of you for in making that investment uh, to be here. It is an investment, not only in the time that you're here, but uh, in the homework that is given to you and uh, you get out of it what you put into it, you know, as with most things in life. And so that, and I also want to say that for the ladies, this is your last weekend to sign up for the women's book study that is going to be happening. It's called Into the Light, and Christy and Lauren are leading that. Christy Bouchong and Lauren Dever are leading that. And if you are looking for a way, number one, to get connected to God and for bringing some healing and some understanding into your life, opening the door for God to pour his love into some places that maybe uh, have some scars and uh, finding out about the healing power of God's love for you in your life. This is right up your alley. And uh, Christy is going to be at the activities desk in the hospitality area. If you have any questions or you want to know a little bit more about it, go and talk to her after service. We'll remind you at the end of service again. But um, secondly, I loved what Lauren said about it is that this is a great place to make connection. You know, when you find your, when you find your tribe, 
you find your purpose. And so if you're looking for your purpose, this is a great place to come and just make connection with other women, with sisters here in the church. It's a, it's going to be a smaller uh, group, not you know, this large. And so it's, it's much easier to make those connections with other people when you're in a bit of a, in a uh, smaller, a smaller setting. So, uh, we'll remind you, like I said, at the end of service, but I just see God doing strategic things right now. And as I have been every year, I pray before, before the end of the year, I pray and I ask God, Lord, what is your, what is your purpose? And what is your focus, uh, in the coming year? And I do different things to study and kind of pull some ideas and uh, some uh, looking, just looking, being creative with God, kind of going on little adventures in the scriptures. And I take the number of the Hebrew year and I take the number of the of the year on our calendar, 2021. And I look up, what is the word that you call that? Gim, Gim something studying the numbers. I I can't, it's some super cool word. I don't even know how you pronounce it. So whatever. But anyway, (laughs) it's putting numbers together in different sequences to come up with the meaning of the numbers. And you can do that in the scriptures and with the numbers that are in the Bible. And so it's just, it's a pretty cool study. When I remember the word, I'll post it on our social media. It's cool. Anyway, um, I looked at that and I wasn't getting anything. I was, it was like, yeah, that's cool. But I wasn't feeling like that was it. And every time I would press to ask God, Lord, what are you seeing in 2021? He took me back to what he said about 2020. And he reminded me, I said, is the decade of declaration. And what I am feeling impressed is God is not looking at the short term. Uh, As I was pressing in on 2021, I kept feeling longer than that, that God was saying, I'm not looking at the days, I'm looking long term. And I was sensing that he's saying, this is not a sprint. Don't look to December of 2021. I said, keep the decade in mind. This is long term. This is long haul. We're in this for endurance. So it is important that we be building our endurance in the faith right now. And the other word that I was hearing was the word era. And I looked up era because I'm hearing that and I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. But I'm not really sure that I know the complete definition of that. So the word era is a long and distinct period of history with a particular feature or characteristic. And an era can be marked and remembered for many different reasons. Uh, world events can mark an era. How many of you remember the uh, Berlin Wall coming down? It was a uh, mark in an era. Um, world events, music can do that. Um, how many of you, when I say uh, Michael Jackson, that brings an era to mind. Um, the Supremes. That brings an era to mind. How about uh, Bon Jovi? Come on, where's Lori Cashel? <laughs> that brings an era to mind, right? Um, music, art can mark an era. Fashion, I've, 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 I love, look at, okay, um, hairstyles, when I say the mullet. And by golly, if that hadn't come back around, you know, I feel like God maybe have been partial to the mullet. I don't know, but it's his back. Um, 
inventions can mark an era. How many of you can remember uh, the car, the very first car that you had? And thinking of that car or the make of that car, the model of that car, when you see that car maybe driving down the road, it reminds you of a particular time, a particular era from your past. So those things are marked for us and they bring back memories and moments from our lives that are woven together to create eras from our history. So my question this morning is, One day you will look back on this era and how will that era be marked for you? What will be the characteristics? What will be the events that mark this time for you in your history? So let's pray together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God, I thank you for bringing us all together here today. I thank you for the people who are viewing online in our online gathering. And Father, we pray special blessings over them today. God, I send a special blessing to Mel and Teresa this morning. I thank you for them. I thank you for good health over them. And we send a hug to them through our cameras. And Father, I thank you for the people who are here in this auditorium today. I thank you that they are here strategically by your design and that there is a particular truth that you are wanting to speak and communicate to us today, not just for head knowledge, but God, that there is a truth that you want to impart to us today that will be strategic for carrying us forward into the days ahead so that we would live the abundant, blessed life that Jesus Christ came that we would have access to. And today, Father, I declare over every Every person that is listening now and will be listening in the days to come that we take hold of the abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give to us and that this era will be marked by the abundance of love that we have received as children of God. And I thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Um, So this morning, what I want to share with you, if you and I were to go to coffee, I would share this with you. You know, people will ask me, well, what is, what is God sharing with you or what is God showing you? And so this, if you and I were to sit down and have coffee together, this is what I would share with you. This is what God is showing to me. And it's something that, um, I feel is a critical element for us moving forward in the times that we are in. And in the days to come. So last week, uh, Darren ministered, oh my gosh. How many of you were sitting in here with your hair blown back and you're like, uh, okay, have you been following me around? Like, what is that about? You know, (laughs) I told him when we got in the car to go home, I was like, oh my gosh, that was so good. And so... This, when he was ministering, he was like, all I have to do is just get up and follow along with what he did because that was so good. It ministered so much to me. So what he did or what, my takeaway, I know that everybody in here has a different takeaway and that's the way God is. He's so good because he feeds each one of his kids what their favorite thing is. And so all of you have your favorite thing from last week, but this is mine, um, giving us a different perspective on 
the enemy, on the devil, on Satan, whatever you want to call him. When, and just because I'm like this, like whenever I am writing his name or I write about him in my notes, I refuse to capitalize his name just because it's my personal little. So <laughs> I know. Anyway, even if it's the beginning of a sentence, I'm like, oh, you know what? Forget, forget English right now. I will not capitalize his name. Okay. So that's just my personal thing. So anyway, he gave us a different perspective on the devil. And he said that the devil, this is the way this, you're going to get it in Lynette translation that he doesn't wake up in the morning and go, Hey, I'm going to go about today screwing up people's lives and doing evil because I like doing evil. He wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to go around screwing with people's lives and doing evil because I want what God has. That's his whole purpose in what he does. And so he shared this scripture with us out of second Peter five, eight, that says, be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that word adversary right there, he pointed out to us means a legal opponent. So the picture that comes to my mind and that goes with this word in the Greek is a courtroom setting. And so in a courtroom setting, you would have attorneys, you would have a judge, and you would have a jury. So in that courtroom, the scripture is telling us that the devil goes about is our adversary. So take yourself to a courtroom setting. Sometimes we think of the devil as being in hand-to-hand combat. We think of it being a nitty-gritty, dirty fight. If Anybody watch the UFC fights last night? Um, anyway, we think of it being like that. But actually, in this context, what God is sharing with us is he's saying, I want you to think of a courtroom setting, and I want you to think of someone bringing accusation against you, but you are there and you are innocent because of who I said you are, but there is accusation coming against you. So it is imperative that you know your legal rights. Little side note, how many people are screaming about our legal rights right now in our country? People do not get distracted with what is happening in what is seen right now. Because if you do... You're drinking the Kool-Aid and you're missing everything that is taking place in the spiritual realm because there is nothing that happens in the natural realm that we can see that doesn't first take place and break forth in the spiritual realm. If you're fighting in the natural realm, you're fighting on the backside. That's kind of pointless. You need to be focusing on what's taking place in the spiritual realm. But if your focus and your eyes get distracted on all of the poo-poo that's taking place in the natural realm, you're missing out. You're like sitting, you're one of the pine riders and you're sitting on the sidelines going, but I really wanted to win. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Okay. So the adversary, it is vital that we know our legal rights. If you look in Psalms chapter eight in verse three, I'm going to read all of these scriptures out of the new King James translation. And I really, I'm so excited about this today. Okay. And so there's going to be a lot of scripture. And if you need to just write them down, because I want you to have this, to be able to go back and to look at for God to speak to you. So Psalms chapter eight in verse three through six, it says this, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, 
What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him for you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet. Say out loud right now. That's me. This scripture is talking about me. The scripture says, what is man that you are mindful of him? It says that you visit him. That word visit in the Hebrew actually means to appoint or to make an overseer. So he's saying, what is man that you have appointed him and that you've made him an overseer? It goes on and it says that you have made him a little lower than the angels. In the Hebrew, that word angels is actually the word Elohim, which in Genesis 1-1, when it says that God created the heavens and the earth, that word God in Genesis 1-1 is the word, the same word, Elohim. It is a poor translation in the New King James, actually in the New Living Testament and in the New American Standard, it is translated as God. That word Elohim is the Hebrew word for the supreme God. So when he says you have made him a little lower than God. So the question is being asked, what the heck? What the heck is up with man? How come you made him so amazing? How come you gave him all of this stuff? And then it goes on and it says that you have given him dominion. That word dominion means to rule, to reign, and to have authority to put in charge. So this scripture is speaking to us and telling us that we have been given a tremendous amount of authority. With authority comes responsibility. So this is what this verse is speaking to us. The enemy wants what God has. He hates you for who you are. And he is jealous of what you have. So who are you? You are a child of God. What do you have? You have a father who loves you with an extravagant love. And the devil hates you for it. Hates you. Genesis. uh, No, wait a minute. The reason you are hated is because of who you are and what you have. And what you have as a child of God with this amazing heavenly father is a birthright that is called a covenant. That word covenant is defined as a relationship where the parties make binding promises to each other. A covenant is different than a contract in that a contract can be made between two entities, two businesses, between a person and a business. But a covenant is personal and relational. Remember that a covenant is based on a personal relationship. The foundation of the entire Bible is covenant. When you are learning about your Bible, you have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Those word testaments are actually translated as the word covenant. So you have the Old Covenant and you have the New Covenant, which is actually the Renewed Covenant. But we're not going to go into all of that today. Um, As I was putting this together, I realized it stirred up in me again 
the passion that I have about covenant. It is a topic about our relationship with God that I, that I could just spend from now until Jesus comes back studying and diving into. And it's one of those things that when I talk about it, I want other people to get as excited about it as I am. It's kind of like when we have sweet potato casserole at Thanksgiving, and I get so excited about that sweet potato casserole because it is so good because we use Ruth Chris Steakhouse recipe for the sweet potato casserole. Girl, let your tongue slap your mama. It is so good and I want Darren to enjoy the sweet potato casserole as much as I do y'all he won't even taste it and I tell him but if you knew how good it was you would eat it and he's like I don't care nothing about that I don't like sweet potatoes it makes me want to throw up like, not even like, well, you know, I just really wouldn't care to. Like, literally the words throw up are used. Like, babe, if you just knew, you would love it. And that's the way I feel about covenant. So there may be some of you in here today who are with Darren that are like, I don't like sweet potatoes. Make me want to throw up. Or let's use, let's use something a little more universal like pie. Who doesn't like pie? Thank you, Christy. I thought of you when I was thinking of this. If you don't like pie, we will have a prayer team up here and we will pray for you <laughs> to cast out whatever demon that is that is oppressing you in your life so that you will love pie and you will love covenant as much as I do and as much as God does, okay? So that's where we're going today. Psalm 105, starting in verse 7, says this. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. Say forever. forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Y'all, that's a long time, right? A thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting, say everlasting, everlasting. covenant. Notice that he, when we speak of God there, he speaks of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God thinks in generations. God is not thinking short term. God is thinking long term. So when God does something, he doesn't do it for just that moment, just that one time. He does it as a demonstration of who he is that is meant to carry for a minimum of three generations. So in our thinking, we need to be thinking a minimum of three generations. So let's take a look at covenant in the Bible. Let's see what has been established for you and I for how long? For, he says forever. For a thousand generations, a minimum when God speaks three generations. But he tells us specifically here, a thousand generations. Like, that's a long time. I don't know how long this is, is a long time. Okay, so we're going to go to Genesis. And if we're going to focus in on specifically Genesis 15 through 17. And this is where God comes to visit with a man named Abram. God has formed a relationship with Abram. And later on, you're going to find out why you're like, Abram, who is Abram? Give it just a minute. We're going to know exactly who Abram is. So he comes and he visits with Abram. Abram is talking to God in Genesis 15. And he's having a conversation with him. 
And he's kind of got a little bit of a beef with God. He's telling him, God, you know what? I've done everything that you've asked me to do. And still, I don't have no kids. I don't have anybody that is an heir to my household, which was a huge thing back then. To be able to pass on your uh, name to the next generation. And at this point in time, Abram's letting God know, dude, you haven't given me anybody. I have no child that is going to be my heir to my household. So he's having this conversation with God. And in Genesis 15, five, God tells Abram, get up and come outside with me. He takes Abram outside his tent and he says, now look up at the sky and number the stars if you can. And Abram's looking up at the sky and he's like, God, that's a lot of stars. And God says, "Mm mm-hmm, just shut your mouth because all the stars in the sky, that will be the number of your descendants. And so Abraham's looking, Abram's looking up at the sky and he's like, all right, all right, I hear you, but how will I know? How are you going to prove to me that this will happen? Because so far I'm old. And if you haven't noticed my wife, she's getting old too. And we don't have any kids. So God begins to speak to him. And he says, go get a goat, go get a heifer. That's how come God loves cowboy church. Cause he speaks our language. Right. And so he begins to speak to Abram and tell him to bring him all this stuff. And he tells him, bring him birds and everything. And so you would be looking at that and you would think Abram must be thinking, God, do you have ADD? We're talking about my generation. I'm talking about my heirs. And now you're skipping off somewhere and talking about goats and calves and birds. What are you doing? Abram knew. The minute God started talking about these animals, it clicked with Abram because in that time, that was the language of covenant. Because when God started speaking to him to bring these animals, Abram knew God's getting ready to make a covenant. And if you're Abram, you have to be thinking, whoa, this is big. God wants to make covenant with me. Okay? So... Abram did what God told him to do, and he brought the animals, and the Bible says that he split them down the middle. So God enters into covenant with Abram. That's why in uh, Romans chapter 4 in the New Testament, you read about Abram, and it refers to him as the father of our faith. It's because Abram entered into covenant with God by faith, so Abram is the father of our faith. So the steps of covenant are so cool. So God tells him to bring these animals. So Abram cuts the animals down the middle. And what they would do is they would dig a trench kind of like a trench and they would lay the two parts of the animals on both sides of the trench. So half of the goat over here and half the goat over here, half the calf here, half the calf here. So that when those parts were cut, the blood of those animals would run down into the trench and there would be a flow of blood through this trench. The Bible tells us that the life is in the blood. So these animals were laid open like this, the blood ran. So there was an intermingling of the life, the same thing that happens When you enter into covenant, there is an intermingling of the two parties, the two people coming together in binding relationship. 
So there was a shedding of blood. So that's why God said to bring the animals. Then what would happen is the two people that were entering into covenant, they would begin to walk back and forth through that blood. And they would walk and they would do a figure eight as they were walking. So as they walked back and forth, they would cross one another's paths continually. And what they would do is they would, as they were walking, they would be saying, part of the blessing of being in covenant with me is this. This is a blessing of being in covenant. They would pronounce all of the blessings of being in covenant with one another, but then there was also the consequence of betraying that covenant. The curses that would take place, what did we say earlier? With great authority comes great responsibility. So there was a responsibility to being in covenant with someone. So they walked back and forth in this blood, mingling the blood, mingling their two lives, and announcing the blessings and the cursings of being in covenant with one another. God, when he came to Abram, he said that he would walk through the blood for Abram. Hebrews 6.13 says, when God made a promise to Abraham, he could swear by no one greater, so he swore by himself. When God entered into covenant with Abram, God walked that trench for he and Abram both because he knew that he was so much more powerful. See, traditionally, the lesser would go to the greater to enter into covenant together in this time, but the greater came to Abram, the lesser, to enter into covenant with him. So God, knowing that he was so much greater, took in his grace and his mercy and walked that trench for he and Abram both. The next thing that would happen is when you enter into covenant with someone, you would exchange names. Today, when a husband and wife gets married, that's why the wife takes the husband's name is because you're entering into covenant with one another. When God entered into covenant with Abram, he gave Abram his name. He changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. He gave him his name, the name Yahweh. It is the breath of of God. When God entered into covenant, he didn't just say, here, here's all the goods. He said, I'm going to give you my very breath, my very spirit, and I'm going to insert that into your name. He did the same thing with Sarai, Abraham's wife. Her name was Sarai. He said, now I call her Sarah. His breath was given into their name. You look at God, and God then is recorded in the scripture as the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Numerous times. So he takes on Abraham's name. So the next thing that happens in covenant is circumcision. Can I get a big amen? (laughs) God said... I want you. He spoke to Abraham. This is, this is, this is why y'all Abraham's called the father of our faith. Cause God's like, dude, if you do this, I promise people will know your name forever. Okay. So just trust me. God speaks to Abraham. And he said, you must be circumcised. Everyone in your household and every one of your servants must be circumcised. So gentlemen, I want you to think about the amount of faith that we're talking about here. I feel like you would have a special feeling about this right here. Okay. 
Why circumcision? Because remember, God thinks generationally. Circumcision was a sign of the future generations, the seed that the man carried in him that was yet to be born. That's why circumcision. Then, after that, um, the next was that when you entered into covenant with someone, the strengths of that person became your strengths and the weaknesses of you were covered by that person. Their weaknesses are now covered by your strengths. So virtually when you came into covenant with someone, all of your weaknesses were covered and you were not vulnerable in any way because any place that you were vulnerable, the person that you're in covenant with now is covering you. So there were no weaknesses for you. The other part of covenant is that when you entered into covenant with someone, everything that you have now, they have full access to. Everything that they have, now you have full access to. So it was very, very important, and you had to have great trust with whoever you were entering into covenant with because you were virtually opening everything that you are and that you have to this person that you're entering into covenant with. So you say, well, that's all great and good, but what does that have to do with me? I'm so glad you asked. Okay, so Genesis 21, you skip forward. God gives Abraham and Sarah a son, and his name is Isaac. And if you go to Genesis 22, 22, 2, it says this. Now God said to Abraham, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Say love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the one on the mountain of which I shall tell you. Now bear in mind, God has taken Abraham out and shown him all of the stars. And he said, this shall be your descendants. At this point, when God speaks this, he says, take Isaac, your son, your only son, and go and sacrifice him on the mountain. Abraham has to know wait, you told me that my descendants would be more than the stars can count. At this point, I have one. So God, you're up to something. So Abraham takes Isaac to the mountain to sacrifice him. When Abraham is willing to sacrifice his son, what happens, for those of you who haven't read it, God, uh, Abraham takes Isaac to the mountain, but he speaks to his servants as him and his son are going to the top of the mountain. And the Bible tells us that Isaac carried the wood on his back to build the altar to make the burnt offering sacrifice at the top of the mountain. Keep that in mind. Abraham looks to his servants and says, wait here at the bottom of the mountain because my son and I will return to you. Abraham knows that God's going to do something and he speaks. We're coming back. Even though his son is carrying on his back, the wood for the sacrifice that he's going to be. So Abraham and Isaac get to the top of the mountain. And just as Abraham is raising his hand to kill his son, God stops him and says, wait, because at that point, God finds a man willing to sacrifice his son for God, now God has the legal right to sacrifice his son for man. 
John 3.16. For God so loved the world. It's the Tim Tebow scripture, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that who would ever believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. This is a scripture of covenant. Once you know what covenant is, the whole Bible is full of covenant. And when you read the Bible, it comes alive because you understand this is my covenant. The scripture is speaking covenant to me for God so loved the world that he gave his very best so that I would have full access to everything that God has. And as I have full access to everything that God has, God found a legal way to now have access back into his creation that was stolen through the deception in the garden between the serpent and Adam and Eve. God was so desperate to have access back into relationship with his creation that he had to find a man that was willing to sacrifice his very best so that he could send his very best to have full access to our hearts again. Amen. So let's look at those steps of covenant. Again, there was a shedding of blood, right? The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for us once and for all. You wonder how come Jesus had to die on the cross? Covenant. God was sending his very best. The next is that there was a pronouncing of blessings and cursings. There is a blessing And there is a consequence of sin. The Bible is so good and God is so awesome because God gives us a multiple choice quiz, but then he gives us the answer. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verses 19 and 20, he says this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, he gives us the answer. Choose life, kids. Pop quiz. But I'm giving you the answer. Choose. You got a 50-50 chance. And God is saying, choose life. For those of you that were wondering, he says that both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God. That you may obey his voice. And that you may cling to him. For he is your life and length of your days. This is covenant. This is the passing back and forth. I'm telling you now that you may have life, all of the blessing that you have in this covenant with me, life and length of days that you will be blessed, but there is death. And as he's passing by, he goes, choose life, choose life. That's what he's speaking to us. So the next is that you get a new name in first John three, one, we are told, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. This is our name now. Then the circumcision men again, can I get an amen? Romans two twenty nine says this, that we are now receiving a circumcision of the heart. 
God is looking. He says, I'm wanting your heart. I'm going to take away the old stony things, the callousness, the wounds, the hurt of your past, all of those things that the world has done to you. And I want to give you a circumcision of your heart that the tenderness, that the, that the innocence, that the, the, um, the, the, the unjadedness would be revealed that you would be so tender and so open to me because God wants to write who he is on our heart. So there is a circumcision of our heart so that we're so tender to the very breath and finger of God. The next thing is that there is the, the strengths of the one covers the weaknesses of the other. We're told in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, that God, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that when I am weak, then is when I am strong. God loves when we expose to him our weaknesses, the places in our life that maybe that we're broken, the places that we're insecure, the places that we're not sure, the places that we don't feel strong. Because God says, when you reveal, when you open to me, those places that you feel that are the very places that my strength comes in, that when you feel weak, that's actually when you're the strongest because I'm God and we're in covenant together. The covenant also states that all I have, God has full access to first Corinthians six nineteen says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy spirit? You, who is you? What the bot, <laughs> your body is the temple of the Holy spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. And you are not your own. This is covenant. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When Jesus said, this is how you ought to pray in Matthew chapter six. And in verse nine, he says, our father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. What that's saying on earth as it is in heaven, what we're hearing there is covenant. He's saying everything that I have access to here on this earth, God, I am giving you full authority and full reign in and everything that you have in the heavenly realm, you have given me full access to. And so everything in the heavenly realm that is yours, God, I am releasing your authority to bring the fullness of that here into the realm that I have access to. And you as his covenant partner are the ones that he uses to bring his kingdom to this earth. What we have access to. This is why the devil hates you. The devil hates you because you have full access to everything that he wants. Not only that, it was given to you as a gift. You didn't have to manipulate. You didn't have to lie. And you didn't have to steal to get it. It was given to you as a gift by your father because of your birthright. But if you don't know your covenant, if you don't know your birthright, the enemy Satan will do everything to manipulate you and to deceive you 
into thinking that he has authority. That is what he does. We have, in where we live, in our world, in the things that are seen, we fear someone in authority will access it to abuse you. The enemy abuses you to access your authority. Do you get that? We fear someone in authority will access that authority to abuse us. The enemy abuses us to access our authority. That's what he does. That's exactly what Darren was talking about last week. He could really give a rip flip about everything that is getting screwed up in your life right now. What he wants is your authority. And if he can screw things up enough, if he can abuse you, if he can manipulate you, if he can lie to you, the Bible calls him the thief. Someone cannot steal what you don't have. If you don't have a horse, they can't steal your horse. That's a heavy revy. Somebody should write that down. Okay, no, here we go. <laughs> the thief cannot steal what you don't have. The thief cannot steal joy if you are not given joy. The thief cannot steal health if you are not given health. The thief cannot steal prosperity if you are not given prosperity. The thief cannot steal love if you are not given love. All of this is your covenant birthright. And he hates you for it. He hates you. God is counting on you knowing your covenant. He's counting on you digging in. He's counting on you coming to the rooted course. He's counting on you reading your Bible. He's counting on you getting in your word. Satan is counting on you being too distracted. Satan is counting on your busyness. Satan is counting on your ignorance. Ignorance is different than stupidity. Stupid is a choice. <laughs> Ignorance is not knowing. And the scripture tells us, God says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Because God has given us full access to everything. But Satan comes to steal, to kill and destroy. He hates you because of who you are and he's jealous of what you have. When you know your covenant, you know what you're building on. Matthew 7:24 through 27 says, "Therefore, this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, 
I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. See what he's saying here is this man is stupid because he heard my sayings and he chose to ignore them. That's a choice. It's different than ignorance. Is a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat that house and it fell and great was its fall. Society, our world and our culture has taken covenant relationship and turned it into an ideology, into theology and into an institution. Covenant is a relationship. Being a Christian is not a system of beliefs. It is a relationship. It is a birthright covenant relationship. And God is counting on us learning and walking in our covenant that the blood of Jesus Christ has given to us. One of the Ten Commandments is thou shall not take the Lord God's name in vain. That has forever been taught, you know, well, when you whack your thumb with a hammer, don't say his name in vain. Yeah, that's good. When you take it to the big scale, do not take his name in vain. Do not enter into covenant and be given a full birthright and do nothing with it. Do not take his name in in vain. It is a relationship. And the one thing that we have that differs from every belief system and theology is that our God is alive. We do not do rules and regulations because we are promised that someday we would enter into a seventh realm of heaven or be reincarnated. And we're basing our whole system belief on someone who lived at one time and is dead. We are basing our entire covenant relationship in a relationship with a living, moving, breathing God who walks on our behalf and every day says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I have given my very best for you to live the life that I created you for that I knew you and I formed your inward parts in your mother's womb that before you ever took your first breath I knew your name and I created good works because I am an eternal God and I think eternally and before you ever took your first breath I created in advance a life that was full of adventure and good things for you. I am your heavenly father and I have called you my child and I am begging of you know your covenant.
covenant, do not take my name as your father in vain. In the times that we are in, in this era, it is more imperative than ever that you know your covenant and you know what you're building on because there will be shaking. There will be earthquakes. There will be floods and they will not just be physical. There will be an emotional shaking. There will be a political shaking. There will be floods of misinformation and of fear and confusion. And if you have built your house on the sand, great will be your destruction. But if you build on your foundation of rock covenant with God, you will not be shaken. I ask you today, when you look back on this time, on this era, what will it be marked by? Will it be marked by COVID and political unrest? Or will it be marked by the moment that you said, I will not let one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ go to waste in my life. Every breath that I take will be the breath of God and the greatness that he has created you for. You choose. And I say to you today, in all fear and trembling, he said before you today, life and death, blessing and cursing, And just as he gave the answer, I give you the answer that he spoke years ago. Choose life. Choose life. We can come in and out of church. We can say, yeah, I know God. But do you know him as father? Do you pray, my father, who is in heaven, you are holy. Today, if you have been going through the motions, so easy to do. I had done it so many times. But it's coming to the place of true relationship and investing in that relationship Covenant will cost you. See, people want the benefit of covenant, but they don't want the responsibility of covenant. Covenant will cost you. It will cost you your weaknesses. It will cost you fear. It will cost you brokenness. It will cost you pride. but you gain everything. So I want you very personally right now to ask, do I know him as father? Do I know him as father? And right now, if you have never entered into relationship with God, there is one way, one way only. There are many thousands, uncountable 
infinite number of paths that lead to Jesus, but there is one path that leads to God. And that is Jesus Christ. One way to him. And enter through the gate of Jesus Christ into relationship with God as your father. If you have never made that decision, knowing what that was, after we've talked about covenant today, I just scratched the surface, y'all, and I know that was a lot of sweet potato casserole. <laughs> but I just love it so much. And I wanted to give you, I wanted to give you a little bit of the um, marshmallowy stuff on the top, but then some of the sweet potato, but there's so much more. And there's so many more pies to choose from too. <laughs> so I encourage you to continue to dig. Ask God to show you. And when you read the scriptures now, you're going to say, this is covenant. This is my covenant. This is my promise that's given to me. So if you've never knowingly said, today I choose to enter into relationship with God through Jesus. And I call him my father. If that's you today, I want to ask you to be really bold and I'm going to ask you to do something. I want to invite you to stand. And if today you're saying, you know what? I've let other things distract me. I've let other things be more important. I want to invite you to stand as well. Saying today, I'm making a choice not to take my father's name in vain anymore. I'm giving my very best to God because he gave his very best to me. If that's you, I invite you to stand. This is for you. This isn't for anybody else. This is just for you. I want you to please invite you to put your hand on your heart. If you would, just hear what I'm going to say. And let it be written on your heart. Today is the day that I choose to give my very best. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see broken. He doesn't see messed up and screwed up. He doesn't see abandoned. He doesn't see all of the mistakes you've made because he sees you through the blood of his son. And in his eyes, he looks at you and he says, I think you're the most amazing son and daughter I've ever seen. And he announces to all of heaven, whose son is that? Whose daughter is that? They're mine. They are mine. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are children of God. And today, Father, we make a choice to give you our very best because we don't know why, but you gave your very best for us and you loved us even before we knew you. God, thank you for being so gracious and so merciful, so powerful. And now I want to ask you if you struggle with thoughts in your mind and, uh, voices that tell you that you are less than that you aren't good enough i want to invite you to with one hand on your heart i just want you to put one hand on your head 
Father, your word says to us that we've been given the mind of Christ. And as you're doing that, I'm hearing there are breakthroughs that have been waited for for a very long time. And God is saying, do not grow weary because when you are feeling weak is when I'm really the strongest. So don't give up. Whatever the thoughts are that come to you to say that you're not good enough, that you're less than, that you're too messed up, that you've gone too far. Could God really forgive me again? Again? Yeah. Because he's just that good. He's just that good. So whatever the thoughts are in your mind, you cannot afford to entertain any thought in your mind that isn't the thoughts that are in the mind of your heavenly father about you. So right now, just shut those down. Say, I'm not listening to that anymore. I silenced that today. That's a lie. That's not even me thinking that. That is the thief the stealer, the killer, and the destroyer that's whispering that to me. So I'm not listening to it anymore. That's not my voice. That's the voice of someone that I'm not following. So Father, I thank you today that we are your sheep and we hear your voice and that we roar with your truth. In Jesus' holy name, I want you just to whisper this loud enough that you can hear yourself say it. You can yell at the top of the lungs if you would prefer. I just would provide you to say, I am a child of God. Hear yourself say that, because that's really important. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.